How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for LA. Score! Here is Goligoski. He gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. Food for it, cheer for uh, Kind of like it. Richard throws it in front. Carter scores! Well done, boy. There's some swagger. Push come to shove. We're going to get it done. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. Hey everybody, welcome to another Thanks Bud podcast. I am, as always, Chanel Berlin. And I'm Diane Van. So, luckily we get to record this after the Kings won, because we were actually at the game on Thursday night, and they didn't win. And it would have been a bummer to have to record then. But they played another game, and they actually beat the Anaheim Ducks this time, 3-2 in overtime. And they actually scored a goal, which is something that uh, we had been missing for many periods. I suppose four periods. Yeah. Uh, So that was nice, too. Uh, after yeah. like an absolute avalanche of goals on Wednesday, and they apparently used it up and scored nothing on Thursday, and then yeah, it's back to anything. sort of normalness now. It was weird on in the game on Thursday because it's not like they they had a couple of really good opportunities, but still for whatever reason could not get any of them in the net. Kari Lettinen was not happening, let, not letting any of it happen, uh, which was unfortunate for us because we were sitting there watching the whole thing and it was a bummer. And it was also weird because the Kings actually played better in the Thursday game than they had against the Ducks, and of course. You know, they had five goals in that Ducks game, even though they played like stinky garbage. Uh, yeah, but also the the Stars game was just frustrating to watch because I feel like nothing was going the Kings way. And not to True. harp on about luck or anything like that, but the number of like fanned uh, passes or shots or the number of times that the puck was just in between a Kings player's skates uh, was comical, if not for the fact that they weren't scoring any goals. So I was crying. And it seemed like the stars could just like pass like end to end with no problems at all. It, w- it was strange too because at the same time, like the stars never outplayed them really or anything like that. But it did. It, I totally agree that watching it, it felt like the Kings' like passes were just out of another player's reach or something like that. Or they seemed to lose a lot of the loose puck battles on Thursday night. Um, and I know that it would be like completely ridiculous to ever try to track, but it's games like that that sort of make me wish that people did track like completed passes because it felt like they completed none of them i know at one point i remember like both of us looking at the scoreboard and like you being like when did the kings get 26 shots i could <laughs> not of- think of like a single one in the past like 10 minutes or something like that and i was like i guess <laughs> i guess they've been doing things i mean i guess like the only you know shot that i can really remember is that what seemed like a wide open net for Jarrett stole but carrie letton made an amazing save for it mm-hmm. uh that's about it so in my head, the yeah. Kings had one shot. I Well, there was that, and then there was also the open net shot that Jamie McBain did not manage to bury. Oh, yes, so, that as well. <laughs> those two moments, those stick out in my mind, actually. But A wide uh, open it, net it, on a power play. So welcome to the Kings, oh, Jamie McBain. Oh, so true. Yeah, they no matter what they did, they could not get a goal on Thursday night. But um, luckily, that didn't actually last forever, because again, against the Ducks, they played better um that okay here's the thing i kind of hate when the kings are on national tv like even though um it's good obviously to for people to be able to see the kings play more that's always great i feel like every time they have games on national
national TV, they're always like a total clusterfuck. And that game Wednesday night, like people on Twitter who don't usually watch the Kings or whatever, there are plenty of people who were like, wow, what a thriller and whatever. I was like, no, no, a good game is when both teams are playing pretty well and stuff is still exciting. And then maybe there are a lot of goals or maybe there aren't. I don't know because the goaltenders are playing really well. Not when the Ducks are playing lights out and the Kings are playing like trash, but the Ducks goalies kind of suck that night. So a bunch of goals were going in. That wasn't a good game. That was a mess. Wasn't it like there was a game against, was it the Avalanche? Um, like last year. And I think, I think Jones might've been in it or something like that. And it was some sort of like same thing, six, five, like terrible game. Um, Mm -hmm. and every, and it was on national television. I'm like, Oh good. (laughs) Yeah. It's only those games where it's like, where things are just out of control for whatever reason. Um, and that game was actually a little, at least a little better for, for Kings fans, I think, because the Kings, they had played so horribly before, that was a game right after the Olympic break, and they'd played so terribly right before that it was like, we'll take it. The 6-4 game, fine, great. They scored six goals. Wonderful. <laughs> but it's, it's, like, it's like one of those things where, you know, you, you look nice and you do your makeup and then you see no one, but when you look like absolute trash and are hungover, you see every single person. Um, right. I feel like that's what it's like. Like, the Kings are sometimes pretty good, and they'll play, like, solid games, but that's not televised on national television. And then when they're just, like, a, you know hot mess it's like ah yeah let's put that for everyone to see yeah because now i want to go back and check because i feel like another game where it seemed like a lot of people were watching where that was that one where they had like a seven minute like seven minutes worth of power play time against the canucks and then did not really even get more than like one or two shots no on that was so was upsetting how dare you bring that up again that was so upsetting <laughs> It is. It seems to be like whenever all eyes are on them, they're doing something totally terrible. And it's like, this is not representative of this team. Please don't look. Please don't comment on it. Um, with the exception, a big, big exception of obviously when they are in the Stanley Cup final, because then they, they do really well. So I guess they're good when it counts. And that's kind <laughs> right. of our, like a constant mantra for uh, Kings fans throughout the years. It's like, at least they're good when it counts. But in the meantime, <laughs> it is hell. Never look at them during the regular season. Just only pay attention to them when they make it to the postseason. Pretty much. So anyway, their record now sits at 9-5-4. and four. They're fourth in the Pacific Division, which would which means that if the um, playoffs started today, they would be in a wild card spot. And they are sixth in the Western Conference. So despite the fact that they have had games, like even in that Ducks game, because of the fact that they managed to score five goals somehow, they went to a shootout. So they still got a point in that game, which great, good job. And then so and today they managed to get um, the two points. They, they, they seem to be getting like racking up points anyway, and it has them in a pretty good spot. They could always be better, but it's all right for now. Points leader, still Tyler Toffoli. However, news for him, he scored another shorthanded goal today and is now also the goals leader on the team. Um, of course he scored another shorthanded goal. Um, it's kind of funny because in the Fox broadcast, uh, Bob Miller for a moment says that, oh, Trevor Lewis. And it's like, oh, no, 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 I mean, it's Toffoli that scored the shorthanded goal, which is funny <laughs> yeah. because, yeah, Tyler Lewis, or Tyler Lewis, Jesus. Trevor Lewis is the only other Kings player who has scored a shorthanded goal. So that was kind of That's hilarious. Right. But Tyler Toffoli, like, what what is in your Wheaties? I don't understand how he's always so good at producing goals uh, while shorthanded. It's amazing. And, like, I don't even remember now which 
who the other player was that was with him on that two-on-one. But when I realized that it was Toffoli that had the puck, I was like, there's no way he's going to pass this. He better not pass it. <laughs> and then he did it, of course, and scored a goal. And then I died of total happiness for like the couple of minutes it w- or the minute or so it was before Ryan Kessler put the Ducks ahead again. But it was beautiful while it lasted. Um, I think it might have been Stoll that was on the... Uh, oh, yeah. On like the, the rush with him, which... By the way, let's stop for a moment and talk about Jarrett Stoll this game. Um, namely, I guess, three things. So him being like that other player to kind of take the heat off of Toffoli during that shorthanded goal. Um, yep. The fact that he completely, I assume, tripped himself or fell down, to, but he drew a penalty instead of <laughs> yes, taking somehow. a penalty. So that's <laughs> baffling and weird and magical. And then he scored his first goal of the season um, with an overtime winner. And it's his Woo-hoo. 200th point. 200th point point as a king. So Jared's still a good game. Yeah, I was actually really happy for him. And also, I don't I it was one of those moments that made me wonder what exactly some of the conversations were between the players about. And I don't know I don't know if it was like just about Jared Stoll or like the Ducks or whatever, but like they celebrated so hard after this overtime regular season win. It was kind of intense. Oh I don't know. So I went back and watched the uh Kopitar power play goal and uh, so, which was also beautiful because, you know, sometimes we criticize the Kings for trying to set up too much. And, you know, for other teams that might be fine because they'll actually, you know, do something with that. But the Kings, more right. often than not, I feel like just get like a blocked shot or just completely lose the puck in general. Um, but this time it was pretty uh, like a, a f- pass or a fake pass from Muzzin to Dowdy, who like immediately taps it over to Kopitar. Anyway. But the funniest part is that once Kopitar scores, if you watch Jeff Carter, he, like, aggressively bangs his stick on the ice, similar to what someone would do if they're, like, angry at, like, letting a goal in. And for a moment, I was like, wait, but they scored the goal. And then, yeah, you're absolutely correct. Like, for the overtime winner, people were, like, so supremely joyous that I thought that this was, like, a playoff game or something like that. Jarrett Stoll, like, like threw his arms in the air and cheered as if he had scored that Game 5 overtime winner against the Canucks all over again. That's what it looked like. It was kind of intense. And I was very happy for him, but I was also like, what? <laughs> what day is it? And then after the game, when, uh, like, after they had all, like, hugged each other and the lights were just going out for Steeple Center to announce its three stars... You, there's like that shot on the vi- on the feed of just like all of the players stopping and like looking up at the screen. Where oh I yeah! Ass- I assume the goal was being played again or something like that. I think like that is that. what happens. But why? No, like I can't think of any other goals uh, that's happened that has uh, elicited the Kings players to like linger back on the bench to watch the, yeah, to the scoreboard. <laughs> so I'm just like, what was so special about this damn goal? I, so one thing that I did mention um, in that recap that I wrote the other day was the only thing that I can think of about why Jarrett Stoll has even continued to have so much ice time despite times when he's played really poorly in games is the fact that that dude did have or has like in the last year or so had some pretty significant health things happen to him. The last of which being having hip surgery over the summer, which none of us really even knew about until it was like casually mentioned in an article during the preseason. So my thought was maybe, and I have no 
reason for I don't know I don't know if this is true I have no resources for it or whatever but my thought was maybe that's something that they've been concerned about is making sure that he can get back into game shape and still play like he wants to after having something like hip surgery happen so maybe this is a big deal for him it's like all right cool now I'm producing and um but it, it yeah that kind of stuff did make me wonder like I feel like there are conversations behind these reactions that we are not privy to and I am so curious about that I'm cl- I'm kind of glad that we weren't privy to them just because it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I f- if it feels like a lot hasn't happened this week and a lot has happened like simultaneously because the Kings have made a number of moves, but somehow it feels like so much happened so quickly that I'm already used to it. Like the fact that like, I feel like I'm pretty used to seeing Jamie McBain on the ice um, and having opinions about Jamie McBain on the ice, but he's actually only played, what, this was his third game. Yeah. So... They signed him this week. <laughs> That's a new development. The last time we recorded a podcast, there was no Jamie McBain. He was in Manchester, and then Robin Regeer um, was hurt, so they needed another defenseman, and they signed him for the league minimum because because that is still all that the Kings could afford. Um, they still have received no cap relief for Voidoff's contract. So Jamie McBain, a thing now. We have two players with Mick in their last name, and they have been paired together a little bit, and I didn't really like that, but... I I don't know. Has has Jamie McBain stood out to you at all? Um, mostly in bad ways. <laughs> I'm not gonna yeah, lie, but fair. it's it's just one of those things where I understand that the Kings are in kind of a tough situation. It's not like they can get a better defenseman. So once again, this is just eating up like D line minutes for Dowdy to you know rest and come back from as into rest. And then with Alec Martinez gone um, with his finger surgery. I'm I'm kind of just like resigned to the fact. I'm like, yeah, Jamie McBain, you're not good, but you are a living body on skates that's playing defense. So I guess you're fine. Here you are. Yeah. I guess one thing um, to, I don't know, mitigate some of that is Daryl Sutter did say that like he has not played for a good team up till now. So he played with like the Hurricanes and then the Sabres. So now he's in a system that has been really good for the last few years. It could take some time and then maybe he'll be... Um, something useful for the Kings. I don't really know. Like for me, every time they bring on a defenseman, I just want them to be someone who is really good at moving the puck. And I don't know if that is actually a part of Jamie McBain's game at this point. I would like it to become part of his game if it's not, but we'll see how it develops. I did like, I think that was in the Stars game where he had like a really good hit or something that I thought was pretty cool. But other than that, like I haven't seen too many highlight moments from him. A couple, he's been a couple good plays. He's not like it's not like, why is he on the ice? He doesn't even move, but he also still has a long way to go. And now we've seen Braden McNabb for 17 games. Um, do you, Have you seen any improvement from him? Do you think he seems to be getting any more confident? I don't, I guess I haven't really noticed him too much. I haven't been too worried about it. So I guess in that sense, he's been doing fine. No egregious mistakes. I don't know, maybe a little bit more confident, a little bit more... Um, sure of his place on like the king's roster and what he's supposed to do um in in concert with like everyone else and what they're doing so in that sense i feel like it's a little bit smoother um but other than that i mean i haven't seen any sort of market improvement um but then he hasn't been awful either so once again this is another just sort of like well you're there You haven't done anything horrible, so I guess you are okay. Yeah, the numbers still say that he's coming out about even. So again, he's not like the reason that the Kings have lost any games or anything like that. Um, But there are times where he he looks a little sloppy. He's still a rookie and 
you know, it's a, it's an interesting time with these two guys. We're, we're, we'll see how the uh, Mick pairing develops. There was, I, I can't remember which one of them it was now on one of the goals against today, but it made me think also, speaking of evaluating players, today Mike Richards had managed to both be like at a high in terms of play and then at an absolute low <laughs> at different moments in the same game. Because during the first period, he was excellent. There was like a point where McBain was trying to battle one-on-one with a Ducks player in the corner and couldn't quite get control of the puck. So Mike Richards came in and helped him uh, or helped separate the puck from the Ducks player. And it was great. And But then like he was also on the ice in the second period for both goals against and both of them were kind of his fault. Okay, Mike Richards, just don't slip. He's been very good. I don't want him to backslide. Yeah, he had a really like seesaw game there where it looked like he was going to be all right and then just was a lump on the ice, kind of. (laughs) But shout out to Trevor Lewis, who had an excellent attempt uh, early in the game, because I always like to highlight nice things that Trevor Lewis does. Um, Mm -hmm. And also Robin Regeer, who had a couple of actually pretty good shots, which was hilarious to me. (laughs) Okay, but I cannot ignore the fact that early in the game, Ryan Kessler totally, like, basically went around Robin Regeer like he was a ghost. It was hilarious. Uh, Kessler was coming down the wing and Regeer was the defenseman on him and he tried to stay with him and Kessler just slipped the puck between his legs, went around him, got a shot, no big deal. At the same time, he looked fine too. He made some good plays as well, but that was, I thought that was just sort of a funny moment to have happen early in the game to Robin Regeer because of course that would happen to him early in the game. Um, I also appreciated uh, Tyler Toffoli kind of being like, oh, you're Ryan Getzlaff coming towards me? Yeah, it's, it's fine. And just kind of like deftly skates around him for that shorthanded goal. Yeah. So Ugh. lots of dancing around uh, star players. Well, not star players. True. Regeer is not a star Ugh. player. God. True. Man, Tyler Toffoli's great. <laughs> Tyler Toffoli just, is awesome. Uh, He's so good. Yeah. It, every time I just think about his shorthanded goals, half of his goals are shorthanded goals. He's leading the league in shorthanded goals. He's got eight goals. Half of them have come on the penalty kill. That's amazing. I mean, I've, I'm saying, because since the Kings aren't really doing, well, I can't really say that this time around since uh, two of their goals uh, were on the power play, but uh, in general, the Kings' power play has not been great, and so we oftentimes see it more as a punishment than any sort Mm -hmm. of advantage. So maybe the Kings should go on the penalty kill more often, and Tyler Toffoli, with assistance from Trevor Lewis, can clean it up. They didn't, or they hadn't scored on the last 18 power plays. And then finally, that 19th one, they got a goal, finally. And um, interestingly, I think when that power play started, their uh, power play was ranked like 26th. And then just scoring that one goal bumped them up to 22 in the league. <laughs> so they they can still make some, some headway here, but it's been rough, at least for the last few games. And I think they've only scored two power play goals in their last 30 opportunities. So it they got to improve. Although, like, I saw some stats from uh, Gus Gatsaros from Kentucky where he was posting, like, the frequency that teams get a shot on goal on the power play. And the Kings, I think, were about average. Strangely, like, the Stars were one of the worst teams. Like, they would go, like, a minute 40 between actual shots on goal. Not shot attempts, actual shots on goal. Which, considering a power play is two minutes, that's shitty. (laughs) (laughs) And the Kings are about average. And I forget exactly what the average number is. But um, I was like, well, at least that's some perspective. They aren't necessarily scoring constantly. But at least they're getting more shots than at least it feels like. Yeah, that's true. 
girl. Oh, the other thing I want to say, because you mentioned Trevor Lewis, is actually to give a lot of credit to the King's fourth line. Like, heading into the game, I was pretty surprised that Dwight King was scratched and that Jordan Nolan was in. But then, in that first period, the Kings had what was it, nine shots, and six of them were from that fourth line. Kyle Clifford had three shots on goal within like the first 10 minutes of that game. What in the world? It was pretty amazing. We love Kyle Clifford. I feel, I like, we say nice things about him all the time, even though he never really like finishes um, and like gets a goal or anything like that, but he like works so hard that I think we might just very much like Kyle Clifford because we always notice when he does good things and it's actually pretty frequently. Yeah, he's he's been doing really well, especially lately. Yeah, exactly. I, like his game has definitely improved, so I am impressed. Yeah, and I mean, we've talked about it a little bit. Like I was saying during the playoffs, like one of the reasons I was so happy for him where he, when he was able to get like that goal in the final and stuff is he is somebody who has talked about how he doesn't just want to be seen as sort of a fighter on this team. He wants to be a solid depth player and really contribute something. And the goals still haven't really come for him a lot, but he is putting himself in, himself in good positions. And um, like that chance that you mentioned with Trevor Lewis, like there was that that chance that they were both involved in where the puck hit the boards, came out, and Clifford tried to push it past Anderson, and then Lewis tried to take a second attempt. um, Or no, it was the other way around. Lewis tried to uh, put it in, and then Clifford tried to get the rebound. Um, And it was great to see them do that kind of work, not just once or twice in the game, but a few different times. And I want them to continue to just hustle that much, and hopefully some of those pucks do go in a little more often. Yeah, I just want nice things for them. They work so hard. They're doing well. It's got to mm-hmm. go their way eventually. Um, but I like how when you were talking about like the like the power play jumping, I love that when it's early in the season and just like the slightest like one goal or one whatever changes the standings so drastically um, <laughs> yeah. just because they're such a small sample size. So <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny to me when I looked at it after the game. So they still have plenty of time to turn it around. I hope that just happens sooner rather than later. Um, another thing that was good to see Speaking of that, is um, Andre Kopitar get a, you know that other goal? Like people had started to talk about how like he hasn't been shooting as much and um, or at least not getting as many shots on goal. He's I've seen him with possession of the puck and not necessarily get actual shots off. Um, and Marion Gabrick hasn't been shooting as much, so it was good to see Kopitar pick up another goal today. I, I guess he's had. I think it was Rich Hammond who tweeted that he's had five shots on goal in his last like four games total and three of them have been scoring <laughs> so i guess it's a uh, quality over quantity with uh kopitar in yeah. his last few games which yeah, is i suppose right good but when watching it's kind of frustrating speaking of tanner pearson is pretty is still like at the top of the league ish you know he's sixth in the league for uh shooting percentage which i still think is funny because it's at 23.3 percent <laughs> Yeah, which is hilarious. But at the same time, I feel like it's sort of hovered around that mark for a while. So I think it also indicates that he hasn't been taking very many shots lately. Not for lack of hustle, because that dude today, even there were a few different times where he... It's always interesting to sort of watch him try to beat an opposing player to negate an icing or something like that, um, because he always tries. If he's on the ice, he will try, which I find pretty admirable. He's just really fast. You do it, Tanner Pearson. <laughs> you do you. Even if you're like half a, a rink 
um, behind a person. He's still going to, like, mm-hmm. try his very hardest to, to beat that player, which, yeah, yeah it's commendable. He always attempts it. Oh, you, you mentioned briefly about, like, Martinez being out, and he did have surgery on his finger. Too bad for Alec Martinez, who has struggled a little bit, actually, in the underlying numbers, but I think you know, extending back to last postseason and actually the end of last season when he had that streak, he's been a really fun player to watch for the Kings. So it's kind of unfortunate that now he's been sidelined. Yeah, um, it's just the tip of his finger, right, that got surgery or something like that. So, I mean, what do I know? I don't play professional hockey, but that doesn't sound too terrible, um, too serious. So hopefully he can get back on the ice soon and, Mm -hmm. uh, and improve his numbers and be like the Alec Martinez that he was last season. Jazz hands under repair. Um, and of course, that puts the Kings in a bind again. I mean, now it's like, even if Jamie McBain or Braid McNabb, that's sort of been the theme, especially for Braid McNabb so far this season, is like, it doesn't matter how terribly he plays, he can't really be benched because they're just not enough defensemen. <laughs> he's gotten very lucky. It's like, it's like he's getting a, he's getting like a forced or, or uh, like NHL tryout, essentially. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, like sometimes they're like, oh, we'll call him up, you know, give him a shot. You weren't good. All right, we're sending you back down. That was your taste. And now it's just like, here. This is like, you're on this team now. <laughs> Welcome. Take advantage of this. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's been pretty funny. Um, but I, I mean, hopefully that helps him long term to, to sort of just be like thrown into it and have to adapt. I hope that he does. Because interestingly, someone that I realized that I had forgotten about until like I just happened to be glancing at the King's stats before we were recording, Andy Andrioff. It's been a while since I've seen that dude, and I haven't thought about him. Um, I haven't thought about him either, and I literally just realized that he uh, was around when I watched the uh, King's November uh, video. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, he's oh yeah, he's on this team, and it just made no sense to me. Or I was just looking at the, like, the players that have played with the kings like on their site or whatever and i'm like oh yeah vander gulick right <laughs> yeah oh yeah that other guy who has played a game totally forgot about andrioff who actually has not been sent down and is still in fact with the kings eventually he will get in a game again i am sure but of course the main focus for the kings both on the team and as fans has been looking at the shenanigans happening with the defensemen and basically how they have to keep sort of rotating them and bringing in other guys to help out it's been kind of an interesting um shit show so far (laughs) but they are trying to work their way through it one of the things that started to develop um because of that because of the king's like defensemen going down and cap issues is the fact that they might have to trade a player which we talked about very briefly last week but then apparently Darren Dreger and Bob McKenzie on TSN decided to start some rumors on their own and talk about the Kings trading Mike Richards. I think I'm tired of hearing uh, Mike Richards trades trade rumors and until like I can't I don't know I can't imagine that that's true. I could yeah. completely eat my words when, like, tomorrow it's announced that, you know, Mike Richards has been traded, but I, and obviously they're insiders more than I am, but I just can't see that being the case right now. Because at first I wasn't sure, like, when people started talking about it, I wasn't really sure how to take it, but then when I really actually got to see what was said and the way that they phrased it was more of, like, if the Kings need to clear some cap space, they could trade Mike Richards. He's the most likely one, rather than it ever being something that was a very serious discussion. Um, and in fact, like 
Lisa Dillman tweeted, I think that she had texted Dean Lombardi and he said that no, they weren't looking at trading, trading Mike Richards. The implication being that even if they had listened to offers, it never actually got to the serious discussion point. It was more just like, all right, if we have to explore this, who is the player people are looking at kind of thing. And yet Mike Richards in that way does make sense to be like the player to move now. But I don't think like Dean Lombardi has already said, like he told Richards if he put in the work, he wouldn't buy him out. He wouldn't trade him last season. I don't see him changing that right now because the Kings are in a cap crunch. And also I think that would send a really, really, really shitty message throughout the rest of the organization. Like, oh, sorry, Mike Richards, you've worked really hard, but buy because Slava Voinov fucked up. Like that's, I don't know, that would be terrible to me. I don't want to see that happen. I like after, once again, Mike Richards is in the best shape of his life. And I don't think that that should be uh, punished um, just because the Kings are having weird, you know, cap issues. So, yeah, yeah, definitely don't think that he's going to get treated now, um, at least in the middle of the season, maybe potentially later, I guess, depending on what happens with the cap or I guess how he's playing. But I mean, exactly like I don't think Dean Lombardi would have gone out to Kenora to like meet with Richard, see what was going on, being like, hey. I know that there's been talk, but I'm giving you this chance. You better use it. I don't think, you know, 20 games is uh, the limit on his, like, chance. So I think he's st- yeah. he sticks around. I think so, too. And I hope that continues. Because, again, if, if he ever gets traded, I don't want it to be because the Kings feel like they're in a bind because of the cap or anything, at least not in November. It, it's different if it's, like, April or, like, next summer, and it's like, well, the cap didn't go up, like you were saying, and then they have to make some decisions. That to me is totally different. But I think it's, I think it would be horrible to sort of make the decision based on a situation they are in because of another player. I don't think that's fair to Richards. Speaking of, there so some interesting updates on Slava Voinov. Lisa Dillman also tweeted that she sort of got some indication from the DA and that there could be more news on that next week about whether or not they were going to charge him. Um, and then on... Some I don't know if it was on West Coast Bias or an appearance on another show, but John Hoven mentioned that he had a source that indicated that next week there would be no charges filed and that Voinov would be able to return to the team. I haven't seen people talk about it a lot, but this is, I kind of wanted to ask you because I found myself kind of struggling with that a little bit. Like, I don't know if I'm ready for Slava Voinov to come back to this team. I'm totally not ready for him to come back. Like, as I was reading that news, I was like, I, I'm not, I mean, with anything else, you'd be like, oh God, I'm so excited that he's coming back, but I'm not excited for him to come back. I don't know. It's still like, I mean, also we don't have any information as to, you know, uh, what kind, like why charges would be dropped or um, not filed or what have you. So I'm still, I don't know, I guess I'm wary of, mm-hmm. of like the situation. And yeah, I don't know how that's going to affect the team or, you know, because uh, I, I can't, at this point, I can't divorce myself and be like, oh, it's like he's a better like defenseman than any of these other defensemen that we have. You know, you kind of have to take the entire package. And so that's still strange to me. I don't know if I'm quite ready for that. Yeah, and I think it's possible, obviously. And like Kings fans aren't really strangers to it because of 
the stuff with Dowdy a couple years ago in 2012 when he there were charges of um, him having committed sexual assault against someone that were dropped. But I realized that the difference was that then the lockout happened. So there were like months between fans finding out about this and having time to sort of figure out how they felt about it, how to compartmentalize it if you're going to keep supporting this team. And that's very different with the situation now, both for fans and also the players, because obviously we also don't know how other Kings players or their families feel about um, Voinov being investigated for domestic violence. Like, there hasn't been very much time for people to sort of cope with it and sort of take time to parse it out if they need to. So it's like, for me, it's like, I mean, obviously, I can't do anything about it. If he does come back next week, I I have, you know, I'm going to keep watching the Kings and I'll work through it or deal with it however I need to. But at the same time, I, like, same thing. I, I When I was listening to that news and reading it, I was like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. And I just, I just wanted to take a minute, I guess, to voice that because I feel like it's unlikely a lot of people will. But like, I don't know, dude. Like, I don't know if I would be okay with it if he comes back next week. Yeah, you're not alone in the uh, I don't know how I feel about this camp. Because like I'm sitting at, like as you were talking, I'm like, okay, but what if the like I literally don't know how I feel about this. But I guess we'll see um, if that actually becomes a reality next week. I mean, I don't, I don't, who even knows how it would help the Kings on defense because he wasn't playing very well before he was suspended. So that part to me is not really even in question right now because it's still just another unknown kind of thing. But yeah, just in terms of like on a human level, um, I did want to talk about that a little bit because I was like, I still feel weird about this. I don't want to pretend like I don't. So, but that is out there that it is possible and there are rumors that Slava Voidov might come back to the Kings, um, or at least be allowed to come back to the Kings lineup next week, because we also don't know how soon he would actually be back in. Um, So I just also wanted to mention that as well, because I haven't seen it talked about too much. But moving on, uh, because there's, you know, other stuff happening in the Kings world, something I thought was kind of, to totally change moods here, something I thought was kind of funny was, was it during the it was last week. I don't know. During a game that they were not playing very well in, there was like a Sportsnet um, like uh, intermission thing with Wayne Gretzky. And he was talking about the Kings slow start and not playing very well. And he was like, oh, don't worry about them. Like the thing is, you know, for teams that have been to championships a lot, like it's kind of hard to get going in the earlier months and they'll be fine. They still have all the same players are good. And then he was like, you know, one of them is Andre Kopitar, who I think is the best player behind Sidney Crosby and Jonathan Taves. And then he mentions that he like had just gone golfing with Andre Kopitar and Justin Williams, which A, is super random. But B, how how in the world are you around Andre Kopitar and you've seen him play and you're still like, he's not better than Jonathan Taves? How do you do that? <laughs> I don't understand. There are two camps of people, one that think Andre Kopitar is number two and ones that think uh, Jonathan Taves is number two. And obviously he is uh, under that in that camp so um unfortunate opinion opinion to have sir but i guess you're the great one so sure whatever but hilariously i I love that that opinion (laughs) hockey great um like personal playing hockey great everything else not so much but i love that he went golfing with justin williams yeah that's amazing I think I'm always because I guess Gretzky has spent so many Who asks that? Like who <laughs> who like who started the whole like golf date? Was it like Gretzky calling one of them up being like, "Hey, do you guys want to go golfing?" Yeah. Or was it yeah. like Kopitar being like, "Um, excuse me, Mr. Gretzky, 
would you like to go shopping with me and my or shopping? <laughs> that would be even funnier. Would you like to go golfing with me and my friend Justin Williams? Uh, who like who initiated this? I want to know. I need to know. I would also, however, watch like a montage of the three of them on like a shopping spree. <laughs> now that's in my head. So thanks for that. But I one of the things that I like I told you like not on the podcast, but like. One of my favorite stories about Andre Kopitar was during the lockout where, you know, because his agent is Papasone. And so he, while he was uh, in Europe, was like, all right, they wanted another, I guess, star player. So he asked his agent to either get him Sidney Crosby's number so that he could call him or to have Brisson contact Crosby because he wanted to just straight up ask Sidney Crosby, do you want to come play with me? <laughs> and um, more IK. So... I like the idea of Andre Kobitar being like, I want to play golf with Gretzky. I'm going to call him. Justin, do you want to come? <laughs> Let's do this. Apparently, Andre Kobitar is very proactive about uh, hanging out with hockey people. So if he wants something, he's going to, you know, go through all his contacts to make that happen. Yeah. Um, but I like that. Like, I know that you mean, like, I want Sidney Crosby, like, he wants Sidney Crosby to play hockey with him. But when you say it, like oh, Andre Kopitar is calling Sidney Crosby so that he can play with him. It's like, you know, you're a little kid down the street being like, um, hey, Penguins, could Sidney Crosby come out and play with me? Uh, and so, yeah, yeah, that's also comical. I know he's inside doing his lockout homework, but can we play hockey together? <laughs> that's what it was like. <laughs> and then he did get Sidney Crosby, but he managed to get Bobby Ryan to come play, um, which, is, which was also nice. I found their friendship very adorable. Okay, I found their friendship super cute, especially when at one point I think uh, Bobby Ryan showed um, like a sign that the Kopitars had made, like you know, for, Bobby oh, for Ryan's his parking, parking spot. spot. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also, I cannot believe that I forgot that Bobby Ryan exists. Oh yeah, that's because he's playing for Ottawa still. <laughs> I know it's awful. I did have I didn't I don't remember now if we mentioned it on the podcast or not, but I did have a moment when that. Um, Gabrick deal was signed where I was happy about Gabrick, but also like part of me was like, there goes the dream. <laughs> Bobby Ryan is never coming. Um, and then of course, Bobby Ryan signed his extension with Ottawa and it was really dead and buried, but it was nice while it lasted. We can still push for the always injured Bo Bennett to come back to California and play oh, with true. the Kings. Who, of course, did come in fact see the Kings play in the playoffs last season once the Pens were knocked out because he was, he had been injured. So I appreciate that. I appreciate when someone like Bo Bennett is like, yeah, I'm an NHL player now, but I grew up watching the Kings, so let me go watch them in the playoffs anyway. Yeah, I love that he actually like went to a game. Like, I'm sure tons of hockey players go and like sit around in their houses and watch hockey, but the fact that he's like, yeah, let's go to this Kings game. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to Staples Center. Yeah, that let's, was great. Let's yell for the t-shirt toss and like try to get on the dance cam or whatever. Amazing. I, I hope we did. But yeah, so, you know, no no future in which we get to see or have more um, Andre Kopitar and Bobby Ryan sleepovers. But apparently Andre Kopitar is like, whatever, I'm going to be friends with Wayne Gretzky now. Who knows who else he'll be, you know, buds with in the NHL. I just thought it was pretty fascinating that Andre Kopitar just hanging out with whoever he wants. But I mean, he's great. I would want to hang out with Andre Kopitar too. I can't blame Gretzky for being like, yep, let's spend an afternoon hanging. I am eagerly waiting by my phone for my future phone call from Andre Kopitar to come <laughs> hang out. Me too. This is like me when I was younger being like, I cannot believe I have not gotten my Hogwarts letter yet. This is <laughs> abominable. 
All right, so I think that's most of the King stuff. Speaking of, actually, we were talking about Bo Bennett. Um, it, he had come back to the Penguins, and then it looked like they were he was going to get injured again. And I was like, no, for a minute, because finally it seemed like he would be back. So of course, we always like to root for California players, with the exception of Emerson Edom scoring goals against the Kings. <laughs> Stop Emerson doing that. Edom from Long Beach, <laughs> we don't like you. Stop Because doing you're on the Ducks. <laughs> be on a team that I would like to really actually cheer for you for. Did you see, by the way, the game with uh, the Rangers and the Penguins tonight? I didn't. I saw everyone talking about it. Um, it or weird. actually, I just saw you talking, talking about it, but I haven't like gone back to like look it up. Yeah. I, I saw that there was like a disallowed goal or something like that, and then the Penguins ended up winning. Yeah, it was it was really bizarre. I I have not seen anything like that with the shootout where I guess the refs didn't catch at first that like, Brian Boyle had taken a shot, um, and it ended up in the net. And to be fair, like, watching it on TV, at first I didn't really see it either because it happened so fast, but I guess it had, like, hit the post and then hit his stick again and then went in. Of course, that's not allowed in the shootout, but the referees hadn't seen it, so it was like, all right, the Rangers win, and literally both teams had left the ice. (laughs) They were gone. And then somebody had to go get, like, Sidney Crosby and be like, come out here for a second, we need to talk. And then eventually they were like, all right, yeah, video review shows that that shootout goal shouldn't have been allowed, so bring all the players back out here. Then on the next couple rounds, the Penguins ended up winning the game. So literally the Rangers had a win just like snatched from their hands. They were happy Um, and then they were sad. That, I was, I did not watch that because I was too busy laughing about the fact that uh, Toronto got completely smashed by the Sabres. Oh, yeah. Um, six to two. And that Phil's, Phil Kessel's official comment is, quote, get away from me. <laughs> Wait. End quote. Really? Yes, that was his comment to reporters who tried <laughs> to get him to, like, flag him down for an interview or a comment, something like that. And his words were, get away from me. Oh, I love him so much. <laughs> I adore Phil Kessel. Oh, that's so great. I don't, I just love how surly he is all the time. I love that. I love it. <laughs> I adore Phil Kessel um, so much. He is fantastic. Um, and then before I forget again, cycling back to like King's News, mm-hmm. can I just say that this time the Mesh did not win Woo! and there was a star's goal um, that was waved off, or I guess not even, like, was it waved off, or like they didn't even say it was a goal because it bounced off the mesh and back onto the ice. So the Kings do not get burned again yeah. by the mesh, even though the Stars then scored a legitimate goal, like, you know, 20 seconds later. Right, yeah. But it was like an interesting moment because everybody sort of had that reaction of like, no and even when the puck hit the mesh like there were already fans um on the side of the arena where it had happened so they saw it clearly who like immediately once they saw that the whistle hadn't been blown were like no like cheering to try to get them to stop play and then when it went into the um the netting the um, into the goal people were like, don't. (laughs) They were ready to just have a fit, which is funny because, of course, that goal didn't even happen at Staples Center. It happened on the road. But people, of course, traumatized still. So they're like, no, don't allow this. And there there was some interesting sort of tense moments in Staples Center, but it was disallowed and everybody was very relieved. It was also kind of funny, though, too, like this again. All right, I think that is pretty much it, unless there is anything else you want to say before we go. Uh, that's about it. 
The only thing I have to say, and it's not anything that really needs to be said about hockey, it's just that I was quite taken aback when we went to go see that Stars game, and I noticed how handsome Alish Hemsky is. I think everybody has done themselves a disservice by not talking about that more. This is what I love about having a podcast. He's a good-looking fellow. He was unfortunately scratched during the game. I know, but he, he did warm up and stuff, and so I got to look at his face, and I was like, anyway. And I was trying to take pictures of some of those Stars players because like, I have friends who are really into the Stars, like Jamie Benn, and like one of my friends who is a Bruins fan who was a really big fan of Sagan before he was traded, tried to take a picture of him. But of course, some dude was in the way trying to get Sagan to touch his hand. And like people talk about like girls and women acting a fool when they're a fan of somebody. You should have seen this dude. <laughs> so A couple of dude Bruin fan, or Bruins fans that were a mess, jumping up and throwing themselves on a glass like they just scored a goal. Um, dude in front of us in a in a Bergeron jersey during the... <laughs> he was very enthusiastic. There were, like, some people who were, like, doing the same thing up against the glass for Jamie Benn until he, like, finally threw them a puck. And they weren't children. They didn't have a child. It was, like, grown-ass people who were just so thirsty. These grown-ass men, real thirsty for Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan. That's the note I want to leave everybody on tonight. That's the message that I want to send out. Thanks for listening to us, everybody. Control your thirst. Take care of yourselves. And we'll talk to you next week. Goodbye. Bye, friends.